0: Triple ALC and we welcome everyone to our conversation. This will be a relaxed and open dialogue to give others a small window into how we feel and think. Um, Today, we have Paul Bancroft Turner, Remar Christie, Sharon Hall, and our special guest, Tim Peters. You wanna introduce yourself, Tim? Tell us a little, tell us about yourself.
1: All right. So Tim Peters uh, work in the Boise uh, campus, uh, run the energy operations team, where we uh, work with all the divisions and working towards the distribution and self-man teams to drive energy uh, efficiency into our our buildings. So I'm super excited to be here and part of the AAALC. Uh, Thanks to my friend, Sharon Hall, who uh, helped introduce me. To this team which has been a, a a great opportunity for me to learn and to kind of explore through this so super super grateful for that
0: so the topic today is have we really made progress and we kind of talked about uh topics last week and and the main area where this came from we were talking about george floyd we we're talking about uh how things have progressed since the 60s and and all the protests um, But really, the question is, have we made any progress? What do you guys think? Where where are we at in in these times from your perspective? Start start with Sharon, because I I think you kind of started this conversation uh, last week. So let's start with you.
2: Well, I think there's different levels of progression from the 60s. I mean, there is an economic uh, point of view. There is a safety Point of view, there is a, um, a, I guess, equality from our ability to gain wealth or or increase our status. Uh, So there's different perspectives. And I would say, for me, uh, I think we have made limited progress in, in different areas and one of the areas that i am most disappointed in is the safety component and the equality of treatment as it relates to uh police as it relates to how individuals are perceived uh upon first sight uh versus getting to know someone so i think it's just different components there has been some progress i know for me personally i am still afraid for my family, uh, for my husband, for my daughter, for my granddaughter, uh, I'm concerned every time they leave the house still because I know that that potential of them being, um, I guess, profiled is still there. It's still present.
0: That's, that's definitely a burden and a weight. How about uh, Suzanne? I know you haven't been. Uh, in the country the entire time, nor have you been here since the 60s. So what about you? How do you feel about the progress?
3: Uh, I will agree with uh, Sharon definitely, Sharon definitely, Um, on especially those points that she brought out. However, having said that, when I look at, um, and I was just thinking about that today, Chandra Rhymes uh let's bring out um oh what's his name tyler perry and i'm looking at all of these black actors and actresses who are oprah you know all these people they would not have been able to do anything like they are now they 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 would not have had this t- level of success back in back in that, that time So we have made progress, but on the other hand, I think, um, how do I put this? Uh, Yeah, we don't have things that are happening back in the 60s. However, it's as if they've found another way to uh, get to us or treat us in a certain way. If... If that makes any sense, so take, for instance, um, is it in Georgia where they are um, I don't know if it was passed or not that you know if if people are in the line to vote, you can't give them any water or something like that. You know there's that stupidness going on, so I think we've made progress in many ways but in others as as shared with Sharon we haven't or they've figured out a way to go around go around the side to limit our progress
0: Tim what do you think I got a lot of thoughts
1: here Um, (laughs) ET truthfully I think um, Sharon and I were in a meeting last week and I kind of pulled her to the side and I, I said, Hey, Sharon, there was a com- a comment made on one of the triple ALC, uh, meetings and it really kind of got me, it actually like frustrated me and I told Sharon, I didn't really feel validated to speak up as a white guy, right on the, on that call. To, to, make, to make my comment, there was somebody who said, and I forget who it was, it was a young lady from Philadelphia who had said she felt like racism was worse today than it was back in the 60s. From my perspective, and I'm not saying that has to be everybody's, let me just be totally clear, right? This is just from Tim's perspective. We've come leaps and bounds. Are we perfect? No we're not perfect, right? It's, I think it's part of the human condition that no one will, it'll never be perfect, but we can all work towards perfection, right? We can all work towards our ideal state, but it'll never be perfect because that's not where we are in this world. Um, and that doesn't make it okay for bad things to happen, but it does happen. And so I thought when she said that, I thought to myself, man you're standing on your grandparents and fathers and mothers shoulders from what happened back in the 60s when there truly was segregation when there truly was like um i, I would say a direct attack for african-american culture whereas to it, from my perspective once again and, and from someone who's not African-American, it feels like as a country, we're much more inclusive and we're much more, um, there's not that same, I'll, I'll just call it same spirit as there was back in the 60s and even in the 70s. That, that's my own opinion. Now I would tell you like my kids, you know, for them, there's, there's no, they don't see any of the same stuff that my parents or my grandparents saw. They they don't have that same perspective. It's totally different, um, and so that's why I think it hit me. I was like, "Oh wait, hold on." It felt a little disrespectful from the folks who actually put in a ton of work and a ton and, and sacrificed themselves and you know their families and what they um, deem as important in order to get to where we are today. That that was my perspective, and I was you know when i thought yeah do i have the right to step up and say something probably maybe at another time maybe at another time when there can be more dialogue because i think we've come a long long way now that being said today i also think we have a lot more visibility into what's happening around the country compared to what we did back in the 60s in the 60s you had to go to your tv and see it on one of three channels and we probably don't even remember that right it was abc cbs and nbc and you probably had pbs right that was where kind of your four channels and you didn't get anything else and you got whatever was shown to you whereas today we've got not only those four channels but probably 300 others as well as that little device that sits in your pocket that has many different media outlets that shows you constantly what's happening, you know, it's, it's instant update. So I think we're much more reactionary today than in the past. There was probably a lot of stuff that happened that, you know, truthfully, we just didn't see. It just, it just wasn't shown today. It can be shown by anybody, anywhere, anytime. So, and I think that that's, there's a huge um, risk that goes with that and a huge um, opportunity or good that comes out of it. We just, have to, we just have to remember that the immediate portion of that, we don't always know what's going on. We don't always, what, no matter what side, whether, no matter what side is happening, we, we don't have all the information. We have one whatever, whatever view, I should say. So that, that's my thoughts. Um, happy to expand that's, on them or
0: talk more. No. Definitely. We'll we'll come back to a lot of those. I think they're awesome. Paul, what what do you think? Because trust me, I think we all have some thoughts on that, but I just want to hit everybody, make sure everybody has a chance to kind of express themselves, and then we can circle back to those thoughts. What do you think, Paul?
4: Yeah, I think when we we discussed this, right, I think it was Rima, me and Adam, we were on a call last week, we were talking about it, and I, I was at a loss as to how how can it be worse than what I have seen was depicted in the 60s with you know people literally just being dragged off the street, being beaten, right. um, being arrested for, for wanting to go into a restaurant or going to school, you know, a young girl going to school for the first time when segregation was was done away with. And I think how how could it possibly be worse than that? And um, I'm with Tim a lot. I think I think things have come a long way. And I think that Especially, you know, back in the 60s, right, if you were white and you had an African-American friend, you were probably just as shunned if you invited them into your household as that African-American was. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. But this is just how I perceive it and how it would have happened. But, Tim, you're right. These days we do have more media. We have more social media. But I think that racism isn't just any more using words that are vulgar towards people of a different race. I think it's also a misconception of, uh, you know, I don't like the way somebody speaks. I don't like the way they behave. I don't like the music they listen to. And that's all OK, but you don't judge a person based on those things. You judge them. We shouldn't judge them, but you once you get to know them, then you can make your own thoughts and your own decisions. Um, So I think social media outlets and webpages, we know that they're all out there. We know there are probably hundreds, if not thousands, of hate sites out there. I'm sure the FBI could give you some numbers on it. Um, But, you know, just because it's not out in the open anymore doesn't mean I don't. And I'm sure, Tim, you agree that it doesn't mean that racism's not there because I'm sure you you know that it is. Um, But it just makes me think that is it just in places that we just don't see it? anymore um or we don't see it as loudly as we did because it's not the open as much as it was so i i think this is a fascinating topic um and i'm really looking forward to to hearing everybody's insight
5: to it okay lee yes um i would agree with a lot that tim said just now um because i feel like you know just saying it it's it hasn't changed really. Like disregards what uh, our forefathers went through because you know, in twenty twenty one, most of us that are Black or African American aren't um, scared to be lynched and hung up on a tree. When people back in the day, that was like a literal fear that they had every day, and we don't, we don't, we don't deal with that. I. I I should say from my perspective, most of us don't struggle or deal with having that fear that, you know, you're walking down the street and you could be mobbed and lynched. So I I don't necessarily I think I'm on the fence with it being worse today than it was in the 60s. I do think that sometimes it's more visible than it was back then. Just with how technology is now, we have smartphones, we have cameras, we have all this stuff where, you know, something could happen in. Texas, we know about it in Idaho 20 minutes later, just because of the way technology and news is so I definitely think it's a lot of stuff that we. Don't necessarily think about could be more visible now, but we have made significant strides to be better off than where we were in the 60s. I mean, just think about um, Brown versus the Board of Education was 1954, I believe. I can look it up. But that yeah, was 19. 19- right, 1954. I was right. Yes. Um, but that was to desegregate schools. So you think about it before 1954, black people couldn't go to the same schools that white people went to. And now they can't stop someone from going to a particular school Um, legally. There's other ways that people can do that in terms of, you know, uh, pricing school to where people of low income can't go there, stuff like that. But it's not as, um, I would say it's not as in your face as it was back then. And um, yeah, so... I think I'm still trying to like put together all my thoughts on it. Just honestly being like one probably the youngest person on this podcast and not having a lot of uh experience with a lot of this stuff. I have to research a lot of it and like find out a lot of stuff that um I wasn't alive for. So I'm learning about it as I go on, like, oh, this you could do this back in the day, but you can can do it now. So Mm, All that to say, I would say it is definitely, from my perspective, better now. Stuff has definitely changed to where we can go to school, where we want to go to school. We can have houses in areas where we generally want to have houses in areas. Yes, there's there's still redlining. There's still all that stuff that is still, you know, deeply embedded in society that we haven't quite fixed yet. But I think we've definitely progressed since
0: the 60s all right and, and one of the things i, I kind of sent out but i didn't send out to everybody i, I think i was just dialogue back and forth with you remar um when you look at the statistics
5: hey elmer see so yeah. just made a really good point of that we can drink at water fountains we can sit anywhere on the bus yeah. now The 60s we yeah, can do that so yeah there's there's a lot of progression it's not like tim was saying it's not perfect yeah. But we have definitely progressed. I mean, we had a black president for two terms, which, I mean, there's people that are still alive today that thought they would have never seen that in their lifetime. And so.
0: No, absolutely. And and some of the things I was going to bring up were, you know, if we look at family wealth statistics, although they're not equal to to, white, blacks aren't equal to whites, we've still grown. At a slower rate, and we did have dips, but we're still growing, right? And I, I don't want to throw out those statistics because the statistics could be skewed, but in general, we have grown, and I think that's true. Um, also, also our poverty rate has decreased. That's another one, right? Um, we do have um, more. Um, I don't. I, I would say more per capita wealth in Black communities than we did back in the day, right? Yeah. Uh, when I mean, the mention of Tyler Perry, Perry, Oprah Winfrey, the list goes on, right? And I don't even want to talk about ath- athletes, right? Right. So there's a whole bunch, there's a litany of of, of statistical improvements. Um, maybe the person, the, the lady from Philly, her point was maybe from her perspective, uh, the unseen racism may be worse for her. Right. Right. Um, And that that might be another discussion because I'm pretty sure that's where Sharon was going when she says it depends on these categories. And she listed these different categories. Um, We can't deny that there's been change. Um, And also, she was younger, too, if I'm not mistaken. So, again, that was from a younger person's perspective that hasn't really seen it. Right. Seen everything. So.
5: Right. And it was. Sorry,
0: go it was ahead.
1: supercharged. Sorry, it was supercharged with the George Floyd uh, verdict that had just come out. So yeah. I think that was her. I think she was more emotional than she was thoughtful on that mm-hmm. comment, from my perspective. Right. That's kind of how it felt.
5: Right, and I, I would say, like, for us living in bigger metropolitan areas, which have generally progressed better than you know uh smaller uh i'm trying to find the correct word instead of whatever well, pockets, thinking there's, there's in my head. pockets. yeah community. there's pockets of like you you never know where someone is coming from in their like perspective and i wish we could find out who that was to like bring them on the podcast and have this conversation with them but you know i i think it would be like unjust for us to say like the whole country or the whole world has progressed because we we know there's places like deep pockets where there's like there's still a lot of hatred and deep-seated racism that people still experience so you know i would just say there's progression but we still have a long way to
3: go for me when i when I, I've had several conversations about this topic with other people and from my from my perspective as an outsider, meaning I was not born in this country, I feel strongly feel that we can't say and I'm saying we, me, I cannot look at it from the perspective of we haven't really made much progress. Because look at all the things that we can do. Look at all. Yes, there are going, like the areas that uh, Sharon mentioned, um, in everything in life, people are going to try to uh, stop progress in in many ways, right? However, when I look at it as an outsider, um, we didn't, in Jamaica, we have more class prejudice than racial prejudice, prejudice but I personally looking at it I I don't think or I can't say that we haven't made any progress or things are the same like it was back in the 60s I I personally just don't think that I can say that because to me in my eyes we can do so much more than we did back in the 60s yeah things mm-hmm. are oh go ahead Tim
5: no,
1: I was just going to say, it's interesting as I'm thinking about, we're trying, we're thinking about comparing 60s to today. I guess maybe what I was, Raymar, maybe we could just ask you, what do you see today? Like, what is it, you know, because a lot of us from back then will carry our own baggage forward, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you see? Where's the opportunity now?
5: Um, I would say for me, it's more, a lot of it's like economic. I think kind of what we talked about, what I, I said, like redlining, where back in, I don't even remember when that law was came into effect, but there were certain areas in, in cities and towns where they would literally draw a red line around the area and say, this is where the minorities go. And it's usually a cheaper area. And I, I don't think, for me, a lot of the, race, racism and racist things that have been in the country we've never truly addressed. I think we've just acted as though they're, they're gone. Yeah, 1934, Paul, thank you. I think we've we've just acted as though, you know, generations have changed. And we just act as though these things magically disappear, when we don't actually like try to fix the root cause of it. So, you know, actually, talking about this stuff like we're doing right now, talking openly about it and just say, hey, this is the history of where we came from. it yes, it's ugly, but this is where we came from. How can we progress to be better for the next generation? I think that's a big thing to to go forward. So economy I think it's 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 all about economic equality where any person can can basically um, create the lifestyle that they want. Where you know uh, a black person can can create millions of dollars in this com- country, same way as a white person or an Asian person or whatever. You know, does that answer your question, Tim? Kind of, maybe.
1: Um, kind of. I think it was like I, I understand like the concept. I'm thinking more of like.
5: What have do I you, see exactly?
1: Yeah. What have you felt or what do you, you, know, just from the younger generation, the 30 year old, like what yeah. do you see now? Like what is actually not actually maybe what's impacted you, you know, have there been because I think that would be a, a different conversation than when Sharon was 30 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like she would say, oh, well, I wasn't or I couldn't or there was things that were there was oppression in a different way. And so I'd like to yeah. see like from a 30 a year old, what happened? <laughs> what do you see today? Uh,
5: yeah, and uh, Paul just reminded me of something I talked about like weeks ago. So uh, I I, I'm trying to remember when this actually happened. But anyway, my wife and I were at the park a uh, couple months ago, I believe. And this lady, lady who just saw us with our son, she struck up a conversation with us, and uh, out of her ignorance, just not knowing how to, I guess, talk to anyone, she said that her grandson was half of what my son was, and that was her statement. And so we were like, uh, "Excuse me, what does that mean?" Yeah. And she was like, "Oh, oh, I mean, he's he's half he's half black, he's half African American." I'm like, "Why? Why didn't you just say that instead of?" Whatever you were trying to say. So I think it's, I think it goes back to like people are so afraid of this topic of like racism and oppression and segregation that they don't know how to talk about it, which is why I love what we're doing to where we said, okay, guys, this is an open forum. Even if you don't know what's going on, just come ask your questions and you'll be educated and you'll know how to talk about this with someone else. So that's like some of the stuff that my wife and I personally experienced and um I I'm, I'm also like uh Suzanne I'm an immigrant from the Caribbean I came from Barbados uh 11 years ago and I went I'm from school- from Louisiana <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went to school in Nampa Idaho which is not the most diverse place in Idaho so I was used to well I would say after my first year here, I got used to just being the only black person in a group of all white people. So I just got used to it. So I got used to the looks, the questions, all that stuff. So I I, I, I personally haven't experienced overt racism to where someone's right. calling me like the N-word or stuff like that. I've experienced like the little microaggressions where people are like oh well you you can't come in here you you well no i haven't experienced that but like people assuming that because i'm black i played sports i played basketball i do all this other stuff when i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about i have never played basketball i've never (laughs) sold drugs i don't listen to like that music that you're asking me about i don't know what that is and secondly i'm not black american I'm black caribbean I'm from the caribbean so it's a totally different culture so i think a lot of people that have met me they were very taken aback that i was different fr- from the black people that ha- they have met in the past and i always try to tell people that um that people that don't have a lot of black friends you can't treat every person that you meet is the same because we're not the same. No person is the same. Like, Tim, you and Paul are both white males. But Paul is from the UK. You are not. No. And even outside of that, you are two different people. So I always try to tell people, like, everyone's different. Just ask questions. Be genuine. Be nice. And that's how you you figure out how to to, to you know, Talk to people of different backgrounds, ethnicity, whatever it is. Does that answer your question, Paul? I mean, Tim, sorry.
1: I think that that answers the question.
5: (laughs) That answers a question, but not the question? (laughs) No,
1: it answers the question. I think it it helps me kind of, like, in my mind, think, you know, there is a big – I mean, you've kind of said, hey, there is a big change. Like, you're – your entry into America in the last 11 years is different than Sharon in the mm-hmm. 70s or 60s or 70s, right? right? Sharon was barely around. I mean, we, Sharon was a wee toddler <laughs> back then.
5: <laughs> nice rebound. <laughs> and, and even even with that, Tim, my experience is vastly different from my wife's experience who she was born and raised in this country and she has a totally different experience than I do. So she she grew up she was born in Pasadena, but she grew up in Colorado Springs. And she was generally the one out of three black people in her school or her class or whatever, or her friend group. And she's talked about how people, you know, come up to her and be like, oh, you're so, you're so well spoken. Or you're you're not like the Black people that I've met before in the past. And she's like, we are not all the same. I'm just a different person than that one person. So I think it's it's just being, for me, it's just being willing to have these conversations, have conversations, and just being willing to learn from individuals about what individually is their background and how they perceive things and not taking that as a... uh, um blanket statement for everyone that looks like them yeah
2: yeah stereotyping stereotyping yeah. because of the color of the skin
5: yeah
4: yeah so it was that's really cool. interesting sorry i, I just one that's thing cool. i wanted to interject real quick was we, we were talking about how you know you've had your first black president
5: mm-hmm. well, and,
4: and i think about that Remo, And you just you saying that about your wife just made me think that no matter what your politics are, i i really don't care what your politics are but we've had probably one of the best first ladies who ever existed, who is extremely intelligent, extremely gifted, in Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just just hearing you say that, and just and but I know I know exactly why they're saying it, and I know exactly where they're coming from. And I, and honestly, I, I
5: sometimes wonder if movies are blamed for a lot of this. Uh, yes. not not one hundred percent blamed, but a lot of definitely blame, like yeah. movies, music, whatever it is. And, I mean. Yeah. um okay. i have i have this t-shirt on right now that says proud black dad and there's a reason that i'm wearing this is because when my son was born some i my wife and i were out to dinner and this lady literally said to my wife as i was sitting there it's so good that your your his father stuck around and i'm like what? what yeah and that was our expression like what How, why would you say that to anyone was this from and, a white person or yeah this was like uh 2 years ago yeah what? and i mean like why first of all why would you say that to a person that's like sitting right there and why what what would give you the why would you think that way and then right. my my wife and i were talking about it that night and we were like first of all she was wrong for saying that absolutely <laughs> first of all. but then we were just talking about it together and we we're like well make a lot of the movies that people see and they build these stereotypes off of a lot of Hollywood movies it's usually a black single mom and the dad is nowhere in the picture and for me and my wife like both of our dads are still in the picture and we have great relationships with them so it's like well she just based that uh, thought process on what she saw in a movie or whatever it is so I am I make it a point to like, let people know, like, I am in my son's life forever and I'm here. And whatever stereotype it is that you have about people that look like me not being in their kid's life, it's wrong because a lot of the people that I hang around with, a lot of the dads that I hang around with, they're in their kid's lives a hundred percent. So in whatever movie, whatever movie or whatever you're watching, that's not the real thing. That's like a, a stereotype that's been put out there that's totally wrong.
2: I I, I, uh, remark. <laughs> I'm telling you, if that lady had said that to me... <laughs> I know, I know. I probably would have said something to her to make <laughs> her think twice about asking somebody that again.
5: Am so I, I'm sure
2: I would have been polite,
5: mm-hmm. but
2: I would have given her something to think about
5: and and that was like not the first time something like that had happened like uh when he was first born people were like always congratulating my wife and i was sitting right there and she and they wouldn't say anything to me and my wife would be like his dad's right here you can congratulate him too we're we're together we're good
1: that has nothing to do with you it happened with me too it's (laughs) got nothing to do with you being black. that's just everything to do with you being a man (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that's just male female trust me
5: right. that is, yeah. but, but, but even to that point i think i think even going off of the male female uh that point of it like i make it a point to like just be present in my son's life to even break that stereotype of like that dads are never around or dads are not in their kids lives because i'm like for me that was not the way i grew up like my both my parents were in my life and like strongly in my life so i'm like um, that's the example that I want to set for people whenever they see me. So that's awesome.
4: Yeah, and I think I think some of that as well. It's like it's it's, it's the athletes too, right? That get highlighted on that, like uh, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and yeah, and numerous other ones, and, and and so. But you know, they don't they don't talk about the white guys, um, <laughs> right? So I'm sure, and I'm sure it's just as prevalent. But um, yeah, that, that 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 it makes me angry because I think I think. You know, first of all, it's the movies and then it's also politicians who spelt false facts Um, and and those numbers you're talking about, um, you know, when somebody walked up and said, oh, yeah, glad you decided to stay around or whatever it was. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of things that politicians talk about when they say, you know, one in five. African American fathers will hang around, and you know, mm-hmm. whereas three out of five whites will. What I, I don't. Those are false stats. Do not look them up. You're not going <laughs> to.
5: But that that doesn't help any cause whatsoever. Right. Yeah, I think. Honestly, I think that one thing that I have just committed myself to do is like, break a lot of stereotypes that people have, and I know it's not going to be like it easy thing to do but I know it's only I can only do it for myself mm-hmm. but just like be that walking like contradiction in people's heads where they're like oh I thought I thought one in five uh African-American males don't s- only stay in their kids lives but here you are a group of like 20 and you're all active with your kids and we're like that's right that's a a false statement that was put out there so don't believe everything that you hear so
2: yeah. You know, I was thinking uh, when uh, when Rimar when you talked about um, the Brown versus Board of Education and you guys started throwing around dates and all of this good stuff. Uh, yeah. And I know I am going to date myself, but that's OK, because I wear it well. That's what <laughs> you, you guys told very me. Very young, Sharon. You do. That's you right. Do. That's what you guys Enough. told me. <laughs> Come on um, now, you're
3: very young.
2: Yes, <laughs> um, but I recall, so from, from a change standpoint and when you guys were talking about redlining and everything, when I go home to Louisiana today, the very uh, neighborhoods that I was bused to uh, because of desegregation, the very neighborhoods that I was bused to uh, now are predominantly black when they were predominantly white. Mm-hmm. back then in the 70s. And so um, when you talk about court-ordered uh, cases regarding desegregation, even though those court-ordered cases occur, uh, occur, occurred, uh, it took years for school districts to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so I was caught up in those years later. While it had already happened across the country, Everybody didn't just all of, all of a sudden turn on the switch and desegregation just appeared. That didn't happen years and years later. So in the 70s, early 70s, uh, which is when Louisiana started forcing the issue. Are y'all doing something behind my back? OK, so because I know y'all laughing and all that good stuff and uh and to our audience this is just us keeping it real so just forgive us <laughs> just go with the flow <laughs> <laughs> but um but i can remember being bused from my all-black school which was in an all-black neighborhood going to an all-white neighborhood and today i mean years later I can go to that same neighborhood and it it almost felt like as blacks moved in the whites moved out and created the same dynamic of not having a a a diverse neighborhood but once again a segregation of neighborhoods that's what i experienced a lot in the south and um it's just interesting how systems continue to be put in place, that continue to create that segregation. And again, I'm just speaking from the South, because that's where I was born and raised. And that's where I've seen a lot of things. But it's just interesting. There, it, it can be looked at as progress. But it's progress that also kept a system of segregation in place as well. Sharon, I have a
4: question on that. So, you you were bused from a black community to a white school. Is that that's right? Correct. So, can do you remember what that was like, and and how you felt?
2: Yeah, when uh, when we were told that we were going to um, first, they asked for volunteers uh, before they forced anyone to uh, be bussed. and so um, I volunteered. And so in my household, it was four siblings in the household. My other siblings, they were too afraid to venture off into this new direction. And um, so I volunteered and I was in uh, seventh grade and our teachers had to coach us on how to integrate into this new population. And as far as how we should respond, um and not you know that people may look at us differently people may treat us differently so instead of talking about the education aspect of it coaching you on the education aspect of it you were coached on how to survive you were coached on how to act when someone uh may talk to you about why are you here or your hair or your skin or that kind of thing that's how you were coached. You were coached on how to survive. And um, so I was Sharon, I don't know, I, God just created me this way just to just engage. And so I just helped <laughs> people to know who Sharon was, got involved in sports, got involved in all kinds of things, was still the only black, you know, in on a basketball team, track team or whatever, or sometimes it was two of us depending on the sport, and got involved in clubs, and people got to know me. And I never had any problems with anybody at school. And I it could have been because I was tall, and they probably thought, I don't want that Amazon coming after me.
1: <laughs> just saying. Just, just it's saying. the same today.
2: <laughs> I don't know.
4: Sharon, and they all knew that I was coaching.
2: athletic, and they probably didn't want to beat down. I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, but no, I, I made friends with people. I never had a problem. Now that wasn't the case for everybody. Every, every, you know, everybody's experience was not like that. But I think because I showed me and got involved, and people got to know me, and it it made uh, it easier for me. Now I did have my challenges where uh, I had to compete for things, and I just didn't feel that. Some things were equally handled and I did voice, you know, that and I did it respectfully. And I mean, I it was a great experience for me. It really was. I I will tell anybody that desegregation changed my life because it really I mean, because early on, it really helped me to become integrated into society. Mm -hmm. It, It taught me a lot. And so from that experience on. I've just carried that through and I've just never had a problem being integrated with anybody because, you know, I believe in getting to know people for who they are. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I had a lot of fears as well, but, you know, it was a good I, experience overall.
5: I think one thing that you said that was really telling just now is that you let people get to know you for you and not you as the example for Black people. Just get yeah. you to get to know Sharon. That's yep. that's the only person you're getting to know is just Sharon. That's right.
2: That's right. I mean, being in the seventh grade, I couldn't I couldn't speak for a whole race. Are you ready? Right. Why would I? Why would I try to carry that burden? You know? Right. right. Why would I carry that? No, I could speak for Sharon. You right. know, and that's and,
1: how. And Sharon.
2: And Sharon. <laughs> My Sharon, alter ego, that's right. Sharon.
1: That's what she, no. when things go bad. You get Sharon, <laughs> Sharon. So that coaching that you received was it impactful in a good way, or was it beneficial, or did it just create some fear that never really materialized?
2: It didn't really create um, fear that didn't materialize. It was. It was just something that. They wanted us to be fully aware and know how to respond. And right. so it was like, we're not saying this is going to happen, but this could happen. And when this, if this does happen, this is how you should react. It was that kind of thing. So, I mean, we were kids right. and, you know, we didn't see stuff on television that told us how to respond to this. we seen the violence stuff, you know? And so it was about safety. How you, when you go to school one way, you want to come home the same way. And so that's what it was about. It was about, hey, this is what you need to do. And the benefits of going to the school was highlighted, but there was just more focus on keeping you safe and knowing what to do as a child being taken out of your environment. And remember, I said, I volunteered for this, okay? Mm-hmm. Remember. <laughs> so but I already had a certain amount of courage to step forward because I volunteered with my siblings. They said, no mama, it ain't happening. They ain't doing it, you know? So, I mean, I, it, was, it was that I wanted the opportunity. I knew that there was a better way I knew that there was more out there for me to explore, and I wanted to take advantage of it. And have been doing it ever since.
1: You know, hats off to your parents too, Sharon, because I know there was, you gotta think of that as a parent now, in those times, you might be like, hmm, do I, would I let my kid go? It, I mean, now I don't think anyone would think twice about it so much, right? Yeah. I mean, it happens all the time, but back then I could see you know that that was a lot of courage on your parents' part, and and that's awesome.
2: Yeah, and the fact that I um, so I played sports. So the same bus, there was only two buses uh, that uh, blacks that that came out of probably there was probably there were a lot of buses. I don't even know how many buses, but there was only two blacks of kids that were bused to this all white school, and um there were two specific Black neighborhoods that were targeted to be bussed. So when you think about only two buses going to this all-white school, and then I played sports. So guess what? I didn't get to ride home with the Black kids. I I was at school. So the fear that came in is that I, my, for my mother is that I got to be at school on time to pick her up to make sure nothing happens to her mm-hmm. because I was the only black. And so that's where the fear came in. It's like, I went to school with a group of blacks, but I came home by myself because right. there was nobody else there. So that, that was the most fearful part. And especially because this was Ku Klux Klan territory.
4: Yeah, so, so my, my question, the reason, part of the reason I'm asking, yeah, first of all, the story is incredible. But the second yeah. part is, is that that was then and now you've got kids and you've even got grandkids, right? So yeah. you've seen that progression. You've seen it from the very beginning all the way through to today. So what I would, well, the reason I'm asking is based on our topic of discussion, which is, you know, is it worse or is it better? How have your kids and your grandkids done in the school systems? Um, have they experienced, I mean, have they experienced anything that you would consider to be really bad or is it just kind of like just some stupidity here and there?
2: No, you guys have my granddaughter in the background. I'm sorry if you do. Okay, great. Okay. Cause she's <laughs> playing with herself and having a great time. Um, but so anyway, she, so I can tell uh, you
5: this. Sharon, before you answer that question, did your, were your kids raised in Louisiana? Were you were raised as well?
2: Um, so my daughter, I have one, she was born in California. When she was born, I was in the Navy. Uh, and, uh, then we moved to Louisiana. And so, uh, but even with moving to Louisiana at this point, she still didn't experience what I experienced. It was like, it wasn't, she didn't know anything about any of this stuff. Uh, but since moving to Boise, My daughter and my granddaughter have experienced some not so pleasant experiences. So my granddaughter, I think I told some of you before, my granddaughter found out she was black when she was here at the playground because we had never talked to her about uh, her skin color. We just talked to her, you know, everybody is friends, people. But a young kid asked her, uh, basically told her she was black and so my daughter freaked out my daughter was like because my, my my granddaughter looked with a puzzle on her face like i'm black my daughter my granddaughter looked she knows what the color black looks like you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. the color so right. she was like trying to figure out the color and her skin color that's don't <laughs> go together right <laughs> you know. so it was, you know, this is a child she's five years old so having <laughs> to explain that to her it was like and my daughter, she's like, well, mama, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to explain this? And uh, but, you know, <clears throat> we we worked it out, explained it to her because we didn't want her self-esteem to be belittled on any level. And so it's it's reinforcing her beauty in her skin and, and being proud of who she is and own who she is. And so uh, but it is quite it's quite hilarious because. Her little closest friend is a little white boy, and he just loves her to death. And they just, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, boy, will you stop knocking on my door? (laughs) You know? (laughs) have to go through, you know. But my daughter, she's she 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 you know she she's had a few experiences, but she she's okay. She she'll get over it. I say, hey girl, you know, your mama done been through this. You believe me, this is how you handle it and keep moving, you know?
5: Right, right. Yeah, I yeah. think so, uh oh go ahead Paul No,
4: so I was gonna say so it's it's obviously definitely better in the school systems today um than, than it was in the 60s. Oh yeah.
5: Yeah. Yep. I think I had a similar experience to your granddaughter, Sharon, to where when I came here I was 19. But Barbados is predominantly black and we don't really talk about, you know, race or anything like that. We have I, I grew up with white friends, Indian friends, Asian friends. I just grew up with a lot of friends of different nationalities and cultures. And that's how I, I like to live because I want to learn about different stuff than just me. So I came here at 19 and I was the only black male in my graduating class at my college. And all these like stereotypes of the kids that I was around, they were asking me about them. And I was like, it was like a shock for me because I was like, oh, I'm black. I'm different from them. They don't know any of this stuff. So it was like, it wasn't like, it was as like uh, uh, bad as your granddaughter. But for me, it was like, why are they asking me all these questions this is like why are you what what is this and then i realize oh i'm different from them i'm all this stuff so it's like oh i'm black i'm a minority here they don't know anything i have to just answer these questions i have to do all this stuff but i i i don't think i've had like any like really bad experiences um even last year 2020 when everything was going on we didn't really have any bad experiences but we were definitely um wary about places that we were going and walking around and just trying to be safe. Gotcha.
3: I did share um a few podcasts ago last year an experience I had at Home Depot. And I don't know if you you remember that. And that just really it 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 knocked me flat. And I don't know why, but probably Probably because I just wasn't expecting it, but anyway, I went to Home Depot. I was looking for a toilet, um, you know, the nineteen-inch ones, the you taller really ones. One I do, I do. <laughs> I needed to put it in our bathroom because my mom, you know, it's hard for her to sit on a regular one. She wanted a taller one. So anyway, went there. I was looking at some, looking at the toilets. They only had sixteen-inch high toilet so i asked somebody i went to customer service asked had somebody come to help me and this gentleman came an older gentleman came with a younger associate i th- she looked like she was in her 20s or something and so i you know told him what i was looking for and everything and he looked at me and flat out said i don't think you can afford that what? um Yeah. And I said to him, I didn't ask you if I can afford it. I asked you if you have it, if Home Depot sells it. And he said, no, we don't sell any of those. And, you know, I don't think you'll be able to find it. You might have to go on the Internet or blah, blah, blah. And that was the conversation. And anyway, it, it just knocked me flat. And normally those things don't. And I, you know, it's like somebody slapped me upside my head and it just came out of nowhere. And I... I left and I went to my car and I th- and I just sat there for a good five minutes, ten minutes just thinking about what I had just experienced. And anyway, I went back inside and I spoke to the manager and uh, the manager was, no, I didn't go, I went inside for something else and then I called on my way home, I called and I spoke to the manager and funny enough the manager knew exactly who it was. He described it. He described the person to me, and he said, "You know, we've been having some problems. Of and you're not the first person who has complained. And so I will. He's not here today, but I will talk to him, etc. But that was one experience that I can think of. I have, and I've been in Idaho for a long time. I've been followed a lot in stores and things like that. You know, and sometimes I'll turn around and think to myself." I make so much more than you you <laughs> would like no, know you're around following me. Okay, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, um, you know, people will follow me in the store and things like that, but I haven't had, as Remar said, a horrible experience. But I've had other experiences like that. What's funny though is I was at win um I was at a another grocery store. <laughs> I won't say where. And um getting some vegetables, and this gentleman, an older gentleman, came in front of me, and so I thought I was blocking him, so I moved my cart, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, and he said, no, 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 don't worry about it, and he came up to me, I was pushing the cart, and he came up to my side, and leaned over on the cart, and he started talking to me, and basically, he was telling me that, you know, it's been passed into law now that, um, we have a holiday. There's a holiday for you people <laughs> and so I said, I said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and he said, "Yes," and he said, "It's not going to happen this year, but next year." <laughs> he said, "Next year." And so I just laughed to myself and I thanked him, and I walked away thinking, "Okay, Suzanne, there are many things that you can think about this or look at it in a certain way." But, you know, I've decided to, and this is just me personally, I'll look at a situation and take it for what it is. I'm not going to think about what it may have meant or whatever, because to me, that's just negative energy.
2: Mm-hmm,
3: yeah. But I just took it that this gentleman was happy for me or happy for us people, <laughs> <laughs> that we have a holiday now. <laughs> but I just so. thought I'd share that with you. That's um, not.
5: So Suzanne, I think that's that's like similar to like my situation where the person like wants to talk about this and wants to be nice, but doesn't know how to do how it. To. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh shoot, there's a holiday for this person. Uh, I need to let them know that I support them and I am with them. How can I do that?" And then it's like the most awkward conversation, and and you know what they're trying to do, but you're like, "Okay, thank you," <laughs> and you just walk away. I get that yeah <laughs> I, well, I you, know, you know
3: what i i'm okay. sorry you know before before you finished him what i after i thought about it because you know i thought you know was he being racist yeah. blah 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 and i really genuinely, after looking at the whole scenario through my head he's he told me not to move and he came over to where I was and leaned over the cart. He was like quite comfortable. And I'm looking at him like, um, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And he was leaned over and started talking to me and letting me know that there's a holiday now for me. <laughs> you know <laughs> things like that. So I, you know, just thinking about it, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna take it as he was happy for me, and he's giving me the information, letting me know. <laughs> That's so, how I decided to take it.
5: So since you're from Jamaica, was he saying that America passed the Jamaican Day in, as a national holiday? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what to say?
3: No, I he he didn't. I know he didn't know that I was from yeah. Jamaica, but but yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Tim
1: Oh, I you know it's funny I was thinking, because this always happens like I always think about what I should have said after, right? but the Home Depot <laughs> wouldn't have been just great. It would have been fantastic when the guy said, "Well, I don't think you could afford it to say, "Well, why not? Why wouldn't I be able to mm. and just ask like blatantly goes make him say, "Oh, uh, you know I yeah that's true. How to respond."
4: Like, yeah, Because uh, they only uh,
1: make them out of gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he would have Jim, had to come up with something dumb, right?
3: When and he I think, maybe. True. True. But, but interesting. it just caught me off guard. And I mm. was just dumbfounded. And normally I'm not.
5: Yeah.
3: No. I uh, but I was just dumbfounded. And, you know, it was like somebody punched me in the gut. And, and I was also surprised at myself because I don't normally feel that way but um the only thing that i said to him was you know i didn't ask you how much it was yeah. or i know i didn't ask you that but i asked if you had it right. you know it's like Which where did you great. get off telling me that i can't afford it i'm like right. i know i make probably double what you're making right now so i don't even know where you are coming to me with that
2: for <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah
3: but anyway
5: I think sometimes you're like, you said, Suzanne, you're just so shocked that they said what they said. And you're like, uh, your, your brain isn't computing. You heard it, but you're like, wait a minute.
1: Did I just, Is hear- that,
5: did I just hear that? Is that really what that person just said? Yeah. And you're like, you're either like, okay, I don't want to make a scene or I'm tired. I don't want to have to do, have this conversation.
3: Exactly. Right.
5: Or you're just so shocked at the, uh, the statement that you're like, okay whatever, okay, and yeah. you just move on, so
3: yeah. A friend of mine uh, that I went to class she and I were in high school together and she lives in Utah and uh, she lives in St. George and in a community that's predominantly white anyway, she was at church she's LDS, and she was at church and uh, she. Was, they were discussing some things and things like that and um, she she said, this sister was talking and there was, I don't know if it's her neighbor or whatever, but somebody moved in um, that was black. And this sister made a comment and said, why would they move from all the way wherever this person came from and move here? Don't they know that there are not there are many black people here? Why would they move here? And my friend said, Suzanne, it took everything out of me to not say something at that moment, because, you know, we're in church. I don't want the Lord to strike me down right there in front of everybody. But (laughs) she said, said, and she said, I just couldn't believe that she would say something like that. You know, like, why would you get off saying thinking that somebody can't move wherever they want to or go wherever they want to? You know, but anyway, so she was she just shared that with me this weekend, and um it's it's all over, you know, and it's still there. there are a lot of people uh in our country here that um for whatever reason wants to continue um being prejudiced or or their stereotypes or whatever, and they're going to believe and act or do whatever they want to do, and that's how they're going to they're going to be yeah.
4: yeah. You know, I have, a, I have a question for Sharon very quickly. Um, when I think about this, right? Because we, we've all we've talked previously about racism, and you know, we 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 know it's never really going to fully go away. Um, you know, it's always going to be around in some form or another, and it's it's a lot of families that teach this to their kids who pass it on and pass it on. It's about breaking that cycle. So here's the thing, Sharon. Right? So you you experienced all this. There had to have been there had to have been white families that were not racist in any way, shape, or form, right? In, in order for this to happen, but would would you say that those numbers in your experience, do you feel they're they're going down? Like families that maybe were racist in the '60s, their their families have brought their racism to an extinction in their family lines.
2: I I. I don't know. And the reason why I say I don't know is because back then there were whites that we were friends with and um, people didn't really talk. I mean, white people really didn't talk about racism. They just didn't. Blacks talked about it because we were feeling it. But again, I came from Ku Klux Klan country.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So you couldn't just strike up a conversation with a white person and expect that right person to Excellent. embrace because you didn't know if they were part of the Klan. And for your own safety, you it, it just wasn't smart to do. So I didn't know. But there were outward signs that there were individuals who supported equality there were outward signs signs but it wasn't like there were actual conversations taking place because of that safety and not knowing um and people did not proudly display their beliefs like they do today that was the other thing um The Klansmen was a secret organization where their identities were kept secret and you just did not know. So growing up in the South, you trusted no white person because you didn't know where they came from Uh, and you didn't know, you know, the extent of their beliefs. You went by outward signs. And uh, I can remember my mother's boss, a white lady. um, Her generosity towards my mother was another reason why I knew that all white people were not bad. That all white people were not racist. That people, white people had a heart and that they had compassion because of um, how... My mother's boss treated my mom and how she welcomed my mom's family. She welcomed us into her life. And uh her name was Miss Whitehead. And, and and which was ironic, huh? Her name was Miss Whitehead. And I remember it. I remember
5: it. I was curious Did you just make that up, Sharon? I
2: did not. That's her name. That was her name.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: this I'm serious. And this woman had so much compassion and so much love and it was I mean she would give my mom generous bonuses. She would always, you know, do I mean it was it was just unbelievable what she did. And I was when when she passed, um it was like we had lost a family member. And my mother grieved for her, when she got sick, my mother was always looking out for her, bringing her food and all these kind of things. When she could no, when she could no longer work, and I that stuck with me as a child. And so I would hope that uh, white families had that same experience with black families that color was not the uh, criteria for engaging and getting to know someone. Uh, and but that was my First experience with a close, with a a white family that showed me about compassion for another race. And that's why uh, I think, because of that relationship that my mom had with her boss, that was one of the things that gave me the courage and the confidence to volunteer to be desegregated. Mm. Because I, my mom had experienced that and she had welcomed us into her life. Did well, yeah. that answer your question, Paul?
4: Yeah, we're getting some great stories out of Sharon
5: today. <laughs> yeah.
1: Great story.
2: Yeah, y'all y'all know too much of my business.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Paul, can you repeat that question again?
4: About the, the, whether yeah. the yeah, so, so the, the question, the question was, um, um, you know, the, the racism um have you have you noticed that like you know let's say that you had 50 families that lived in the community and 25 of them were what you would classify as a race racist, racist families back in the 60s mm-hmm. and of those 25 maybe three of them remain right at where so that cycle's been broken so you know i'm just i'm just wondering whether or not because you have to imagine that at some point it would have to right i mean right. Well, yeah. kids 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 go off and they learn things on their own they have kids and they learn things on their own, and eventually it, it's going to die out no matter what your parents have said to you. Because you're going to go to a school, you might be filled with, Oh my god, Sharon's at this school, she's black. My parents have warned me all about her and her kind and what they can do. Okay. And then I get to know Sharon, I'm like, Oh my god, my parents are completely wrong, and they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And that's how that cycle breaks. That's that's right. what I, yeah. And I, I
5: would say, from the younger perspective, I definitely agree that it's not that that, yes that has died out a lot just coming from where I came from and just coming to Idaho and just meeting a lot of kids that were from you know Wyoming in the middle of nowhere where they didn't have a lot of different races to be around with or you know small towns in Idaho or wherever and then I was their first black friend generally and it was their first uh a connection with someone that didn't look like them and they were just learning all these new things at the the big age of 19 and for me it was like you should have known this already but then looking back at it, it is like okay you come from a small town where a lot of people it's probably a small farming town there's not a lot of diversity there why would you know this until you go off to college and if you're watching mainstream media movies whatever whatever stereotypes are in that that's what you're gonna believe so i think that definitely it's decreased to where majority of um white people white families are not don't have those ideals the people that do are some of them are a lot more visible where you know like okay that's what you believe i'm gonna stay away from you but most people don't think that way and if if they come from a family that does and then they go out to a bigger city or a bigger town and they meet different people like you said it totally changes their whole um identity and their thought process of what they were taught before because i believe that hate is taught like no one is born hating someone You, you put two newborn babies together and they will cling to each other and they will love each other it's only until they're taught like oh, this person is different. I should hate them that they begin to think that way. So um, to answer your question, yes, it's totally decreased, in my opinion.
2: Tim, didn't you come from a little small town? (laughs) Me? Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
1: I grew up in a super small town in Idaho, and um, I I graduated with 68 other kids in my class.
3: 68. wow. 68.
1: (laughs) 69 of us in total, and... um, Like, we had no black people in our town in my high school. Um, I went to my first, like, school where I, uh, my first university is Mm -hmm. where I had, uh, like, close interaction with black folks. And I can tell you, I had a couple of them that were good friends. We hung around all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Two or three. And probably, you know, it was almost like... Raymar, what you're talking about, it kind of just became you mixed, everybody just yep. mixed, right? Yep. It was like the norm. Um, and sure, there was always racism, I, I would say, on both sides. And mm-hmm. so it was, you know, those that just wanted to interact and kind of get to meet people. And that's the key is like, you're not trying to meet a color, you're trying to meet a person. A
5: person, yeah.
1: <laughs> right? I mean, that's what we all, we all really kind of end up just, dealing with people it's not with races i mean that just helps you kind of bring in like your experiences from your past and helps us either mesh or hey there's some people whether it's white people black people i don't mesh well with because we don't have those same experiences and it doesn't work it doesn't mean i don't like them it's just that that means we're not hanging out right it's fine i don't have anything against them um and that's that's kind of what happened with me in my first Uh, university and then kind of continued on through my throughout life I I, I think over time what I've kind of found is like it's it's all about people yeah and so when you when you start to invest in people that's when it becomes authentic and real what I don't want is inauthentic relationships based off of colors of skin or background Mm -hmm. or some something that you know it could be even like religion right Mm -hmm. i mean it it, that inauthentic relationship i think actually becomes more toxic than it does um helping empower like the right motives and the right like friendships that that's just my kind of my take on it so
5: yeah Suzanne, what about you coming from jamaica
3: i'm sorry say that again what about
5: You coming from Jamaica to... uh, Did you come to Idaho first?
3: I did. Rexburg, Idaho. What? What? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) My experience was totally different because when I came, it was different and I wanted... I valued that difference. You Mm. know, being around a, a bunch of white people was cool to me. You know, I was one of the few of blacks on campus but so to me it was and they treated me as if I was cool because of my accent and you know so my experience was different it was very positive I should say very very positive
4: so we we got five minutes left I'm just wondering do we want to do a quick 60 seconds of where you think we are today compared to the 60s and and just just a quick thought final thought.
5: Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with Sharon, Tim, Suzanne, uh, Paul, ET, and then I can wrap up.
2: It's not it's not worse, but uh, it is different in some areas. Some areas are better, and some areas need a lot more tender, loving care.
1: Um, my opinion is that we've come a long way from the 60s. We still have room to grow and room to improve in all those areas um, that still that still need that improvement. And, and there's multiple areas to talk about, but I'm I'm happy with the direction we're moving. We're like getting momentum in the right in the right direction. And I think that's what I want to focus on is like the windshield and not the rearview mirror. So I'm happy about that.
4: Um, I, I think I, it's, it's very difficult for me to say that we're in a better position than we were in the '60s, only because um, you know, not not having lived in this country um, and really learning more about Black history over the last few years, um, especially in in the last few months, talking to Remar, Alma, Sharon, Suzanne, and everybody else that's been on the podcast. But um, from from the things that I've seen on uh, history um and so on and so forth i think we're i think we are in a better position i think um it is uh projected differently than it was in the 60s um i think there's a lot more microaggressions um now than there probably were before um to cover that up but um i i think like tim said i think we're heading in the right direction i think we just need to keep moving in that direction mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, my opinion, as far as that goes, it's it's, it's obviously better. Um, There's things that I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't survive if I were there. At least I think, you know, I think I wouldn't take certain things. But, yeah, when you're there, a little (laughs) bit different situation. Right. Um, But in general, um, there are so many, we're, we're so far away from where we want to be that it's frustrating, especially in the time that's elapsed since that time frame. But at the same time, we are in a much better place now than, than where we were. And I, I think that's globally. And, and we have a long way to go uh, throughout the world when it comes to uh, uh, classism, racism, colorism. There's just a long way to go in all the categories. So we just, we just need to worry about us in America. Worry about our little, our little uh, stick in our eye, our, our toothpick in our eye and and keep making these strides forward and see if we can clean up what what's out there that needs to be cleaned up.
5: Well said. Um, I would say that I'm kind of like uh, Paul into where I've been learning a lot about black history in America recently. Obviously I'm an immigrant from the Caribbean so I didn't grow up with this history as my own. So I've been learning a lot about it, but I would say that Today is much better than it was in the 60s and before that, because there's so much stuff that I can do now that back then I wouldn't be able to do. We talked about, you know, something from as simple as drinking from the same water fountain as a white person or riding on the bus to go into any college or living in any area in the country that I want to live in. So definitely, I think it's progressed from back then. I do think there's a lot more visibility with technology and we still have a great ways to go in terms of eradicating racism and hate but definitely we have progressed uh hugely from where it once was before
0: yeah we can go online to buy a toilet for a 19 inch toilet without being told exactly we can't afford it
5: exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly we can do whatever we want in this day and age but um, right. Any clo- Any other closing thoughts? No. Okay. Well, thanks for the
1: conversation. That's my. Tim, Tim really thank thanks. you. These are, are awesome.
5: Tim, thank you so much for being our special guest today. You added a lot to this conversation. And anytime you want to be on a podcast, just let us know, and you're you're more than welcome to be on any episode that we're having. And for those listeners out there, you can always reach us at the SharePoint site. And just if you have questions, comments, queries, you can leave them there for us to, to tackle. And please feel free to download our podcast episodes on anywhere that you get podcasts. And from everyone here, Paul Bancroft-Turner, Sharon Hall, Elmer Turner, and our special guest, Tim Peters, and myself, Reemar Christie. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation and excited to see you where this leads in.